Drink water, check. <coughs> Clear throat, check. Test microphone, check. Close cabinet, check. You're listening to Tripod, the trilingual podcast in its English version. If you're passionate about the miracle of human language and human voice, you've reached your destination. You're Hearing Voices, a podcast for the voiceover community. Both of you. Here's your host, Dan Hankowitz. Hello once again, my friends. Welcome to Your Hearing Voices. This is a podcast for the voiceover community, for the freelancing community, and for anybody with a passing interest in the wonderful world of voiceover, freelancing, entrepreneurship, and just general enlightening conversation. My name is Dan Hankowitz. I am your host. It's good to have you with us. I am a voice actor based in Springfield, Illinois. You can find me at my website, www.danvoice.com. And this week, again, we are traveling virtually to Egypt. How about that? We are speaking this week with Allah Abu El-Nur. And I know that I have messed up that pronunciation, and she's going to correct me, I'm sure. Uh, through no fault of my own, just through my linguistic deficiencies, I have messed that up, I'm sure. Ella is a trilingual voiceover artist and language specialist. She does voiceover in Turkish, in English, and in Arabic. She is passionate about linguistics. She has an MA in Turkish linguistics and language teaching, and she's also skilled in language content creation, Islamic and linguistic translation, in addition to uh, travel translation. So a lot going on in the world of voiceover and translation and language learning. Ella, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Dan. I'm really glad that I'm with you, and uh, this is a great opportunity for me. Thanks a lot. Again, wonderful to have you here. Now, if you would please do me the the uh, honor of of uh, correcting my mispronunciation. No, what, no worries what is, about that. <laughs> what, is, what is the proper... I, I've given it my level best, and I'm sure I've messed it up, so... Set me straight, please. No worries. No worries. You did a great job, actually. It's Ale. And, and I know this is really hard to pronounce in English. Ale. Abu Nur. So I, it's okay if you call me Ale. If you can't say the uh at the end, it's okay to call me uh, Ella. The Turks like to call me this way, so it's fine. <laughs> Whatever is, is most comfortable for so, you. And you did a great job. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, so the, so the, the proper pronunciation is to say, there's like a little e at the end there, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's very <clears throat> subtle. It's not like, no, it's I, I was just trying to stress it to, to highlight it, but uh, yeah, it's You know, this morning I was watching a lecture um, and I don't remember the name of the gentleman who wrote the book, but the book is titled When China Rules the World. And he was talking that the lecture he was giving was based in Australia. This was back in 2012. And he was talking about the necessity of learning Chinese, especially for the Australians as they're in that part of the world. Uh, long story short, I was looking up the most difficult languages to learn. And number one is Mandarin Chinese and number two is Arabic. So I'm just, when, when you teach languages, uh, what are some of the challenges that you encounter when people are confronting the either Turkish or Arabic for the first time? 
Well, usually it's it's the phonetic system of a language. That's that's pretty much the first uh, challenge. I, I like to tell my students that if if your face doesn't hurt in the beginning, then you're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the the phonetic system is is really uh, the most challenging part, and it's normal that our face muscles will hurt a little bit in the beginning. So, as I mentioned, in the U.S., somebody who comes from New York, somebody who comes from New York would have a very a uh, distinct New York accent and somebody who comes from Chicago would have a distinct Chicago accent. I can do that because I'm from Chicago. Mm. Can you tell when you when you meet somebody from from Cairo, can you is there a is there a Cairo accent? Is there a Cairo Arabic? Well, technically there is a difference, but it's not that vast. Well, although in the in the media it's it's pretty much um I don't know the Alexandrians. Some some very uh, certain districts that are very uh, ancient in Alexandria have a certain accent of their own. Have have certain you know idiomatic expressions of their own that are uh, often depicted in, in in the Egyptian media to highlight that this is someone from Alexandria. So it's a little a little bit stereotypical, you know. But um, technically speaking, yeah, there is a slight difference because, um, li- like you mentioned, I, I do uh, books in um, I I do material books for Egyptian Arabic. And speaking of the Arabic, how hard it is, we have actually, we can, we can divide Arabic into three levels, three main levels. You have the classical Arabic, which is, you can find it in ancient poetry, ancient literature, in the Quran. You have the modern standard Arabic, which is the official uh, Arabic that is used in news and documents and so on. And then you have the colloquial. Now, the colloquial is very diverse because we have the Egyptian colloquial. We have the Levantine Colloquial, we have the Moroccan Colloquial, the Gulf Colloquial, and so on. And of course, it differs from one country to another. The Egyptian is the most common colloquial and understandable colloquial Arabic among all Arabs because of the media. Now, when we go into Egypt, Kyrene and Alexandrian are pretty much very uh, similar, except in, in very, very minor things with some diacritics in, in pronouncing some verbs. Uh, some uh, vocabulary and so on. I actually, I, I, I had some funny incidents when I lived in uh, in Cairo for for a couple of months, uh, a couple of years ago. But it's it's really mild. Well, we'll talk about your voiceover work in a moment. But uh, you, at the outset, I introduced you as a trilingual voiceover artist. That's how you're known on your LinkedIn page. And <laughs> nobody ever lies on their LinkedIn page. Everything is yeah. always one hundred percent truthful. So I'm wondering, uh, Ella, when did you? Which foreign language did you learn first, English or Turkish? Uh, definitely English. Um, English is the second foreign language most Egyptians learn at school. So uh, it was English, yeah. And um, I started learning it from ever since I was five years old, all the way through uh, high school. And then Turkish is what I majored in uh, in university. I was very passionate about languages, and uh, I decided to... Uh, join a newly uh, launched uh, department in, in Alexandria University. It was uh, the Department of Oriental Languages. In the first year, we used to study, not study, but learn the basics of Hebrew, uh, Turkish, and Persian. And then we would specialize starting from the second year. So I majored in Turkish. And ever since then, I'm, I'm, I'm still a learner of the Turkish language, and I, I teach it as well. Now, obviously, I would think in order to do voiceover work in a particular language, uh, it would behoove you not to have an accent, or maybe sometimes having an accent is a good thing. Um, when you do Turkish voiceover work, what kinds of jobs do you get hired for in general? Well, Turkish is, is very unique as a language, so this is really the least uh, voiceover work I do. 
Mm-hmm. Although I teach the, the Turkish phonetics and I have a very authentic accent, the, the standard Istanbul uh, Turkish accent, yet they still prefer the natives. With English, however, it's a bit different because English is, is very diverse. And um, back to Turkish, uh, the, job, the jobs that I did, the recordings that I did for Turkish was mainly for crowdsourcing, you know, training the AI and so on. But most of my voiceover work is in Arabic and in English. I don't no, know, no. Ila, if, if this is uh, just something I've heard anecdotally or if this is actually true. You can help correct the record uh, for me. But I have heard that in Arabic, they tend to like to hire, for English voiceover jobs, they, they tend to like to hire uh, voice actors who speak English but in a bit of an Arabic accent. Do you find that generally to be true? I do understand that many prefer it this way, although I, I always double check the American accent or the American pronunciation of, of some terms uh, that before recording, not to, sound, not to make it sound odd, because um, I have a couple of American friends that I always double check my English with, and I get hired for, for, for my near native accent. Others might get hired for that, but I, I honestly have a hard time uh, doing um, an Arabic accent in English. So let's talk about your early beginnings in voiceover. How did you get interested in voiceover? Well, <laughs> that's a long story, uh, <laughs> short, but I, I cannot isolate my, my passion for voiceover um, apart from my passion for languages in general, because it's, uh, I think it's, it's something that... I can't say I'm born with, but something that I had a long time ago, ever since my childhood, I was very interested in languages. Um, I grew up in a multilingual family. You know, um, I remember in, in summer at the age of 11, I asked my mom to teach me Italian. So because she had uh, she had learned Italian back in time at her school. My second foreign language was French. Uh, so I was interested in Italian. And then later on, I, I was interested in learning Hebrew when I was around 13 years old, my father spoke Russian and Spanish. I have a branch of my family who are half Egyptian, half German, so I would listen to them here, uh, talk German sometimes. So I really had a great passion for languages, especially the phonetical aspect of it. Where it actually started, when it actually popped up with, with the voiceover, I do remember that um, during university years, at that time, I think it was like uh, 2008, 2009, uh, audiobooks are not really popular in, uh, in Arab countries. And I used to download audiobooks in English and listen to them just for practicing English. So I shared this with one of my Turkish uh, professors one time. And I told him, is there something like this in, in Turkish? Because, you know, when you, when you specialize in a language, it's not like a clear road of, of, a, of a career. You have to add something to it. Is it going to be translation? Is it going to be teaching? Is it going to be, you know, using this language in the media, in diplomacy and so on? So I was knocking all doors and thinking all doors and brainstorming all, all possibilities. How, how can I use this language in my career? So I, I did ask my professor one time, um, is it possible that we can work in something like that? Do you guys have also audiobooks in Turkish? And he was like, yeah, we, we also have that, but I don't know how to start this thing or how to start in this career. So that, this was just a random thought that crossed my mind, you know, during my early years in the university. And then later on, after I graduated around 2013, I knocked all doors. I, 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 uh, I did uh, several jobs, you know, uh, in, in Turkish and in English. And then, yeah, I was once invited uh, through a, a translation platform to do a voiceover uh, that they need uh, Turkish uh, speakers 
uh, to do voiceover for audiobooks and so on. And and then they sent me that they need a sample to be recorded in a in a professional studio with these parameters. And of course, at that time, reading you know mono and and you know <laughs> mono stereo and uh, kilobits per second and so on, all these things were just Chinese for me. So I did ask one of my friends who was a media professional, "What is this? <laughs> How can I do that?" And so she uh, referred me to uh, um. Uh, sound uh, studio and then I went there and it was a great experience that I really fell in love with uh, recording uh, this sample and uh, and then I, I this is where I discovered my talent and the funny thing is actually the, the sample was was accepted and it was approved however you know we had some during the negotiation process we we didn't really get along so I thought of okay how about I I use this I, I, I love this experience how about I use it not only in Turkish maybe Turkish is gonna be a longer road how about in Arabic how about in English so I was um, one of my friends one time told me, well, haven't you tried freelancing since, uh, you know, I was I was always looking for a full time job and I didn't really find something that really um, I don't know, but I, I didn't find something that I could find my passion in. So she she referred me to freelancing and there's this website called Odesk. Back in time, it wasn't even Upwork yet. And mm. so she told me, yeah, I, I know so many of my friends who work on it and it's really making good. So and then my brother told me the same that he has a friend who's working on Odesk at that time. And so one time I, I decided to to create an, uh, uh, an account on Upwork. At that time it was Odesk and beginner's luck, the very first job I ever applied for, I was accepted in, which is very rare to happen. And I had zero feedback and the client was the same. So it was blind from both sides. You know, you can't guarantee anything from both sides. And it was a voiceover for Arabic and Arabic teaching application. And this is how it all started. So now you mentioned audiobooks. Um, I, I just want to kind of get a sense of your general portfolio of work. Uh, what are the genres that you're currently working in in voiceover? Is it mostly audiobooks? Is it long form narration, commercials, etc.? What What do you see yourself as in terms of a voiceover specialist? Well, um, in the meantime, most most of my voiceover work is mainly commercial. Or we can say um, educational slash commercial still because it's it's mo more of like medical awareness campaigns and so on. Uh, back in time when I started the first, uh, when uh, after this incident that I mentioned to you, I, I went on digging for more work in, in, in this field and I didn't even realize that audiobooks actually existed in the Arab world, but I had no idea. And I, I worked for one year with uh, an, an Egyptian application at that time between the years 2014 and 2015, it was a very famous uh, app at that time in Egypt. Iqra'li means read for me. So on a daily basis, we used to uh, narrate audiobooks, chapters from audiobooks and um, articles and, and news and so on. So this really created the main, the main bulk of, of my voiceover work. And then I had a shift to the academic field, again, back to teaching. So voiceover was on and off. And then two years ago, I'm back to voiceover, focusing mainly on, on voiceover. So now I can say that most of my current work is educational slash commercial. And you, uh, of course, you told your story about starting on Odesk, which eventually evolved into Upwork. Uh, I do some business there as well. Is that where you find most of your clients these days, or do you find them independently? Or uh, give us a sense of kind of your clientele, without naming names, of course, but mm -hmm. where, where do you get the most of your clients? Most of them from, from Upwork. Because, uh, most of um, them from Upwork. Yeah. 
that's that's and really the the platform I, I focus on most of the time un unless it's something for like a friend or something like this but this is very rare uh, and and I always depend on on long-term clients so in the realm of the Arabic voiceover work that you do you mentioned the educational and medical type things um, where I guess geographically where in the in the Arab world do most of your clients reside because you mentioned the fact that Egyptian Arabic tends to be rather neutral and the most used in the Arab, Arab world. Uh, do your clients come from Saudi Arabia, Jordan, uh, et cetera? I mean, where, where, where in the Arab world do they come from? Or are, are they all over the place? No, like I told you, like, for example, the, the very first voiceover job I did, and it was in Arabic, it was for someone who was located in um, Singapore, but he was developing an application to teach Arabic to non-Arabic speakers. So um, it, it's not mainly, uh, of course, it was all Egyptians. It, it, the team was, was all of it Egyptian, but it was an, an Egyptian-based application. Now the client, the, the long-term client I'm working with now ever since, I think, uh, last uh, August, and we're working on medical uh, campaigns and medical, uh, pharmaceutical, actually, to be more precise, pharmaceutical uh, advertisement and commercials and campaigns sometimes, mostly in Arabic and, uh, no, mostly in English and in Arabic as well. Now, this is a, uh, this is a company that is uh, run by Egyptian doctors and pharmaceuticals who are located in the United Arab Emirates. So it's diverse. And uh, with the educational, for example, the books that I co-authored are, are actually I co-authored with a client that I the first the first dealing with uh, that I did with him was actually voiceover for his other materials. And he's an American, but he's creating uh, Arabic learning materials. So it's it's really diverse. So I probably know the I probably know the answer to this question, and uh, maybe I shouldn't even ask it. But <laughs> those those of my listeners, all seven of them, and they're very devoted. Those of my listeners who have have listened to prior episodes of my podcast have heard me speak, oh, maybe somewhat derisively about the conversational read, and because in English it gets you know that that term gets thrown around so much and. It's almost like people think it has a universal understanding. Like when people say conversational, we're all supposed to understand exactly what that means. It has many different meanings depending on the person saying it and depending on the client and the specs and many other things. That's a long-winded way of asking you, Ella. In Arabic, is the conversational read something that's desired? And if so, is there a certain type of conversational read that clients generally look for, like upbeat or person next door, or give us a sense of the uh, style of, of reads that, that uh, your clients prefer. Well, I, I got to be precise that most of, of the jobs that I did in Arabic were in modern standard Arabic. This is one. Some of it were, uh, some of them were actually in Egyptian colloquial, but this, this is going to be like Let's say this is a commercial that is uh, customized for the Egyptian audience. So it's better to be in Egyptian, in, a, in the Egyptian colloquial Arabic, which is more conversational, if, if I got what you really mean. Um, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds like the guy next door, yeah, something like that. Like it's very familiar to listen to. The Arabic, though, the modern standard Arabic, there are levels of it. And I recently have come across a, an expression that I really find it a lot. Uh, mentioned and used by other uh, people in the field. It's called the white modern standard because the modern standard Arabic, it has this sense of, you know, documentary tone a little bit in itself, but others prefer it to be a little bit, you know, diluted, giving it the sense that, that we want it to be uh, more familiar. 
yes, keep it modern standard, but we want it a bit more familiar and more understandable by, by all Arabs. Let me ask you this question. Are there any genres of voiceover that you're not currently doing that you would like to branch into? Would you like to do more long-form narration, more audiobooks perhaps? Uh, what, what is it that you're, you're not currently doing that you could see yourself doing more of and that you would like to do more of? Most of, of the things that I do now are educational slash, uh, you know, like I told you, educational or commercial. I would love to, to knock the door of the documentary media productions because it, the, the performance used in documentaries is really interesting, but I haven't found something that, that, that is convenient yet. And, um, and also the voice acting. I did do it, you know, slightly did it uh, back during uh, my work for uh, the, the Egyptian application currently. We, we, sometimes I had to uh, narrate uh, children books. So I would make, you know, uh, coding for each uh, character voice and I would do some voice acting while narrating. But it's, it's not pure voice acting. So I, I would love to, to work on this in the future, inshallah. Uh, Ella, do you undergo any kind of voice acting coaching. I know many voice artists view coaching as sort of an ongoing requirement. Uh, have you delved into the realm of, of coaching? Uh, not yet, unfortunately, because um, you see, Alexandria is not the, the capital. So uh, most of the, the of these uh, events and, and uh, workshops are located in Cairo. Some, some do exist and, and take place in Alexandria as well. But like I told you, I've, I've just come back to, I've just got back to uh, the voiceover career with, with a focused um, uh, approach just two years ago. So now we're with the COVID, it's, it's really, and, and with, the, with the pandemic, it's a bit challenging to find such events. However, I do, um, I do join sometimes uh, other, you know, uh, uh, rooms on Clubhouse and, and stuff like that that are, that are um, into the voiceover and voice acting, and I like what they do. And I can't help but ask, your, your audio quality is excellent. Tell me about your home studio setup, if you would. <laughs> It's going to be a funny one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it started with, um, I have a Yeti Blue uh, microphone, professional microphone, and I had a pop filter that I uh, handmade myself with uh, a, a pair of socks and uh, something from my mom's, um, I don't know, you know, knitting stuff, something, these, these crafts I'm not really familiar with. <laughs> so I did a pop filter, a homemade pop filter, and a, a recording box that is coated with sponge. And now they're all in my closet. So <laughs> it's a very simple and primitive, made, primitively made uh, recording, you know, session. If if we can, a recording, sorry, station. If we can say. Well, as I say, the audio quality is excellent, and uh, certainly my listeners can judge. It's probably probably better than mine. So it no like, no my, way. Uh, my uh, my hats off to you for for finding a. It's, it's always hard to find a quiet space to record. Number one, oh, and then tell me about two, it. to acoustically treat it. But you've you've done you've done great work there. I wanted to ask you about speaking of uh, podcasts. So we're having a podcast interview, and you're working on a podcast yourself. Yes. Uh, yes, um, uh, but it, it's still in the launching area, in the launching phase, I can say. I'm still in the learning slash launching, you know, preparation phase. But um, I've been really interested in, in, in the field and uh, I've been following a lot of, um, you know, podcast-based uh, uh, rooms on Clubhouse that are very informative and are very uh, beneficial. 
I'm about to start a podcast. And now, as, as I always try to brand myself as Ala Abu Nur, the trilingual voiceover artist, so I, I thought of creating something that's, you know, like similar to it. So it's going to be called Tripod, the trilingual podcast, in which I'm going to be doing um, interviews. It's going to be mainly tackling the human language and the human voice, which actually both of my main passions and, and main, you know, um, professions. So uh, I would be uh, picking uh, or I would be interviewing people who are multilingual for starters and maybe or tackle certain topics. And then I will be posting them once in Arabic, another in English, another in Turkish. If that's it's going to be a little bit, you know, a multi-phase project. So this is why um, I'm preparing a lot for it. I'd love to interview you if you don't have, if you don't if you don't mind. So <laughs> let's take this as a uh, as an invitation. <laughs> So I, accept. Uh, I heartily accept, and I can I can bring all seven of my listeners to uh, to your right. <laughs> That's gonna be perfect. I want to ask you about the topic of artificial intelligence, and by mm-hmm. way of bringing that up, I understand I have been informed that you are currently working on an AI training voiceover job for an app that is specifically designed for people who suffer from stuttering. And I believe the app is called, is it Wisp? Yeah. Uh, t- yeah. Tell us about Wisp. that, if you would. Tell us about Wisp. Well, this is, this is really one of my favorite projects because, it, because of the value behind it. It's, um, I, I found an ad on LinkedIn uh, about the, I, I think it was like a sponsored ad or something, uh, collecting, you know, they, they, they needed donations of voices, those who are voice talents and the, the, they're gathering, you know, their voices. And so I applied for it and I, I got to understand the whole thing. I have never met in my life someone who has a stuttering issue. And I learned that there are about 10 million people around the world minimum. So this app is designed to help them. Now, it's all based on the fact that people with stuttering issues, they stutter less by 85% when they whisper. So the app is designed to be used over the phone. And here's what we're going to do as voice talents. By the way, when I said donations, it's a paid job. It's a, it's a humbly paid job, but it's... They, they, they still need donations, so that's a great opportunity to, for those of you of your listeners who might be interested, if, if they're voice talent or musicians, that they can uh, donate their voices to. They're looking for talents in, in, in English, in Dutch, in German, in French, in Spanish. Now, I'm doing it in English, of course. So the thing is, we do record the very same lines with the very same intonation, the very same uh, performance and, and emotion and pace and pauses and everything. Once with a normal with a normal voice, and once whispering, just like that. So the more inputs are put into um, the the AI, the more it uh, it gets trained to instantly transform the 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 user's whispering into normal speech. So the end project the, the end product will be an app in which uh, uh, sorry that that the the, stu- the people with stuttering issues can use over the phone. And they can speak uh, comfortably and smoothly, whispering. And then the other side, on the the, the other person on the other side of uh, or the other end of the call, will hear normal speech. It sounds like a wonderful project, and I think it's just a great example of how we can use technology to, you know, advance human understanding and advance uh, help people who have uh, issues like stuttering. Exactly. Um, but I wanted to ask you, and I, and I hate to, I hate to sort of turn the tables so abruptly. 
But uh, what you just described, obviously, is, is, is a very good thing and something that will be very helpful. But there are a lot of voice actors who are concerned about artificial intelligence. And maybe this is too, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this question, but there's concern about artificial intelligence getting better, uh, replicating the human voice mm-hmm. in a more authentic way. And we're traveling down this road to having artificial intelligence replace voice voiceover. In fact, we see companies like Speechalo, uh, their tagline, their branding line is never pay for voiceovers again. I'm just wondering <laughs> since, since you're getting, since that's a great, <laughs> a great one, very encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well put that blue Yeti on, on, uh, on eBay. But, <laughs> but um, the question for you is, are you concerned about this at all? Uh, is this something that uh, is discussed in the voiceover circles that you travel in? What, what, what do you think the future holds for AI and voiceover? If you want to comment on this or not. Yeah, that's a very important question because guess what? I have the same concern as well, like anyone, like everybody else. Um, however, I do believe that this is something that is inevitable. It's uh, because, you know, like I told you, I, <laughs> with the translation and, you know, with, uh, I've, I've worked on other similar jobs that are mostly linguistic. And it's also um, focused on training the AI on, on, you know, because Arabic is like I told you, it's very multi-layered. You have many colloquial uh, levels and you have the modern standard. So I worked on a couple of other projects a couple of years ago. And it's again, it's it's based on crowdsourcing. And back in time, I had I had this feeling that something is. Uh, I feel like they're gonna take our place, you know. <laughs> now I'm training uh, the the AI to translate, you know, to to identify, to um, to to translate audio to to text and text to audio and vice versa. So it's like partially or or slowly, slowly they're taking uh, our jobs. However. After a little bit of thinking, you you would realize that this is something that is inevitable and it's going to happen sooner or later. So we better take advantage of the valuable aspects of it. And I do believe deep, deep somewhere in my heart that nothing beats the human, the human quality. I know that there are, it's estimated like 10 years from now, they're not going to be in need of any voiceover artists now they are training you know again crowdsourcing and training um computer or or ai generated voices with with the performance you need with the tempo you want with the emotion with the intonation and so on but still you know no matter how much it it progress uh i don't believe it will ever come to the human level and i do believe that we are in an era where we need to be really flexible and um i don't know it's it's we have to 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 pace up with the with the technology and uh, be prepared at any moment to plant you know <laughs> i have this mentality you know because sooner or later the world is you know this all this technology is going to come to an end this is this is what i believe maybe not in our time but we really need to have both of those modes that i can cope and i can pace with this enormously progressive technology and I can come back to the organic, you know, mode as well. So that, that was, uh, <laughs> I don't know, that, that's my own uh, understanding of it and, and, and how I actually approach this, uh, this whole artificial intelligence thing. Well, nobody asked my opinion, but I'll give my opinion anyway. I, I think that there are a couple of things. Number one, um, you mentioned authenticity and the authenticity of the human voice. 
I think that when the day comes when your clients no longer ask you for revisions, <laughs> when they come to you and say, well, can you say this a little slower, a little faster, with a little more emotion, with a downward inflection? Yeah, that's that's a good uh, point. You actually nailed it. <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're not talking to a human being when giving those instructions, that's going to be very difficult. And And the second observation that I would make is that I think that for long-form narration, long-form narration, whether it's e-learning or whether it's audiobooks, uh, when you plug in your earphones and you listen to someone talk into your ears for an hour, two hours, 10 hours, you know, whatever it may be, um, I would think over time that people would pick up on the fact that this is not a real human being. Uh, maybe for a telephony greeting, maybe for a simple 30-second 30 30 explainer video, that would work. But I think that when you go more toward the long form and where someone's conversing and storytelling, I think that the AI would have to get awfully good to replace the human voice in those genres. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but those are my two cents. Yeah, yeah. You actually, you reminded me, you took me a flashback to uh, back in time, you know, after I graduated, I worked as an outsourced uh for a couple of months, I worked as an outsourced uh, customer service rep for AT&T in the U.S., but here from Alexandria. So <laughs> I do remember that many clients were like, um, am I talking to a human? Because <laughs> they've, had it, they've had enough with the IVR. So yeah, th th that makes perfect sense. So there will, be se there will be segments who would go for the easy way. You know, like, like when you ask for a video editing service, you can put it on a program. And it would make you a very quick one, but no room for edits, no room for, you know, certain uh, touches. And you can go and ask a professional video editor to do it for you. Likewise, it's, it's just going to be, it will always be this way. My, my, my conclusion is that I believe that a project like WISP, I, I do believe this is where VO and AI would, you know, cooperate together for, for a greater cause. So that's, that's okay. That's fine. So uh, I think it's, 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 it's something with value and uh, it does help people. And in other things, even with the audio recognition stuff that I did, it does help us at the end of the day. One question for you about audio editing. You mentioned the Blue Yeti and you mentioned your closet setup. Where, what audio editing program do you use? At the beginning, I used to use Audacity, mm -hmm. Audacity and it was very, it, it's very simple and it's very basic. But recently, exactly two years ago, I got to know Reaper and I'm in love with it. Really? Uh, it's very sophisticated, I, I assume. And uh, however, it's very automated and it makes the, the editing process much more easier. And I'm still learning, you know. Um, I'm just like someone, you know, <laughs> because sometimes when we do the editing ourselves, it's never going to be like when a professional sound editor is doing it in a professional studio. Let's let's speak clearly, you know, but we it's another, you know, journey of, of science in itself, you know, and I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. It's it's a very interesting process. And I use Reaper. Sometimes I add plugins. Sometimes uh, I uh, I tend to use Audacity again, and then back to Reaper. But Reaper is is for me is um, is perfect. It's just doing a great job with the uh, with the much automated uh, and multifunctional um, um, you know uh, effects in it. It takes a while to get to know a digital audio workstation. I myself use Adobe Audition, but li like you say, once you automate all these tasks and you have hotkeys and macros and all that, it, it becomes sort of second nature. And I'm sure that you've 
you've gotten better at it to the point where you just, things that may have taken 30 minutes, you know, six months to a year ago, you can do in just a matter of, of minutes now, yes? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was dazzled by the fact that I could auto-split silence from speech just with a click. <laughs> I used to do this uh, manually, you know, in audacity, cleaning every, every lip sound, every breath, every, you know, single, you know, every single pause, you know, it's just, uh, now you can just do it like I do it with, with Reaper with just a, with just a click. That's outstanding. Well, I must say, uh, Ila, you know, as somebody who's trying to learn the Spanish language and I'm by no means fluent, uh, very impressive how fluent you are in, in English and how little of an accent I can detect. Uh, you obviously worked very hard at that and you're to be uh, commended for that. Your English language skills are, are impeccable. Uh, so I, I, my compliments to you where, where that's concerned. Eli, you've been very, very gracious with your time. Uh, I will conclude by asking what is the best way for people to get in touch with you who are interested in hiring you for your voiceover services in Arabic, Turkish, or English? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, first off, Dan, I really need to thank you for this great opportunity. It was my pleasure. And uh, you, you do pronounce my name very well. <laughs> and uh, thanks for your compliment on, on my English. Uh, last but not least, answering your question, um, anyone can contact me via my LinkedIn. They can find me if, if they type the name right. <laughs> they can find me on uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, um, Upwork, uh, Voices.com, or via email, al double a underscore one seven six nine zero at hotmail Ella, i'm going to try i'm going to try very valiantly here to pronounce your name correctly one last time before i get that penultimate strike three and i get banished from the world of podcasting and driven into shame and <laughs> and obscurity Ella abu al-nur was it is that even close y yeah oh, you did a great God. job it's it's Ella abu al-nur if, if we're going to say it this way, or Ela Abu Nur, you just did a great job. Yeah. Uh, well, one last thing I forgot yes, to say, if I, if I may add it. Go ahead. Uh, those who are interested in, in, in language learning, also they can find me on lingualism.com. Uh, it's the same uh, website that, you know, the, the, that is owned by the, the long-term client I mentioned uh, earlier that we're doing the book together now. And uh, they can find me uh, there and those who are interested in, in, in learning languages. And now we are working on a book that's called Talk Like an Egyptian. For those who are interested in Egyptian, learning Egyptian colloquial Arabic, it's, it's a book that is going to make them sound natural, learning the uh, idiomatic expressions uh, of the daily Egyptian talk. So, uh, and it's adopted from, you know, Walk Like an Egyptian, even the cover of the book. It's a uh, it's very pop. It's a very popular song in the U.S., right? <laughs> back in the back in the day, the the Bengals walk like an Egyptian. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got you've got that. So it's talk, talk like, like an, an Egyptian. Egyptian, and of course uh, we mentioned the podcast under under construction and the Wisp AI uh, training app that you're working on. So a lot of good things that you've got going in your voiceover and your professional career. Uh, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share them with us. And Ella, I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Dan. Really, I can't thank you enough. I'm wishing you all the best with your podcast and all your work and, and your great voiceover. And I really love your podcast. Oh, you. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really a great uh, podcast. And um, thanks You're again. Very welcome. 
Thank you for listening to Your Hearing Voices. Please don't share this podcast with anybody and forget about subscribing. We've already reached eight subscribers and that's enough. We're not saving the whales here, people. Thanks again for listening. and know that Dan pretends to appreciate it very much. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Tripod, the trilingual podcast in its English version. You don't have to like, share, or repost. And we don't have to ask you for this. Just do what you feel like you want to do. Looking forward to having you back.